Welcome to the Tour Junkies podcast for the Travelers Championship. DB here, and I am actually on vacation, so this podcast is between Pat and our buddy Gino Benelli, who caddies for Joel Damon on the PGA Tour. Gino is a hilarious human being. This is going to be a great show. It's sponsored by our friends at FanshareSports.com. Really appreciate Fanshare and all they do for the Tour Junkies listeners. And promo code TOURJUNKIES gets you 20% off any subscription weekly monthly or annual subscriptions 20 percent off at fanshare sports if you're playing dfs golf or dfs football when that comes around in just a month or so uh, you're gonna want fanshare because these guys listen to all the podcasts they read all the articles they watch all the youtube videos and they tell you who's getting talked up and who is not and it really just helps you find the ownership leverage that you need in tournaments whether you're playing DraftKings or FanDuel. So thanks for FanshareSports.com for hooking it up. Tour Junkies is your promo code. Now, Pat and Gino, uh, the audio is not perfect. Gino had to call in. So forgive us for this week. We'll be back to regular uh, shenanigans next week. But uh, this should be a really good one. Gino's played the golf course twice with Joel Damon uh, as a caddy and is back for the third year at TPC River Highlands. This call is so let's see what these boys got. Enjoy the show. Gino, what's up? What is going on, my man? How are you? Um, I'm sweating, but I'm okay. <laughs> Apparently, the air, the air conditioner in this place doesn't work so hot. Well, that was bad use of terminology. It is hot as hell in this hotel room. Yeah. Well, I'm kind of in the same boat because I do this, this. I do the show up in my bonus room. That mm-hmm. I'm too cheap to I'm too cheap to keep the air conditioning going on it uh, all week because I'm hardly ever in here except for when I'm doing the podcast. So I forgot to turn the air down early today. Earlier today, so it's, it's that's all right. Save save that money. You'd make a great caddy. That'd be cheap. That's right. That's right. Hey hey. By the way, so as soon as you call in, it tells you it's recording. So don't say anything bad about DB right now because he'll hear it because he's going to be doing all the work to um, edit everything. Okay. Yeah. So he's hearing all of this now. See, I would say this to his face because he he's hearing it right now. So Perry, um, he, he, he's he's such a great guy. He's my favorite. <laughs> mine too. Mine too. He never gets on my nerves. <laughs> no, and I also learned uh, tonight that uh, on Priceline, when you if you book a double bed, it does not mean that there are two beds in the room. So I'm getting cozy with another caddy this week. Oh wow! Wow. Yeah, it's really great. Yeah. No, I just, okay. I just had him roll you- up. I mean, what do you do about the barriers in the bed? Like, do you? I mean, um, how do you, you know, there's a lot of space issues there well, that I'm, I'm going to be having. Well, fortunately, they actually had those, uh, those fold-out beds, so they just brought one up. It looks really comfortable. Um, okay. So I'm going to, uh, I'll probably go on that, sleep on that, seeing how it was my mistake, and uh, let, him yeah. have the, let him have the double bed. And uh, I'll That's sleep nice on that. But uh, I actually had a buddy come down uh, last week to the open, and I tried to get a room with two beds and they were sold out basically everywhere that I could afford. So uh, we slept in a king together 
And I think there was no physical barrier, but just knowing that there's another dude in the bed, I think both of us were as far away as we could get from each other in the bed. The only tough part with that is, though, is when you try to get some more blankets on, you kind of have to pull them. You're so far apart that you really stretch those blankets <laughs> to the max. So yeah. I think we're, yeah. we're kind of rolling each other back and forth with tight blankets. It's kind of weird. Yeah. So when we went to the for our first Ryder Cup, David and I and and uh, Hazel team, the first the the first night we were there, we, well, I guess it was both nights. I can't remember the hotel. We we had this hotel room and it was a suite. And there was a bedroom that the guy that got the hotel stayed in. And then there was a pullout bed and that was it. And I had to sleep on that with Dave. I flew in at like midnight and had to sleep on that with David, a pullout sofa bed uh, with Dave. <laughs> and it, I literally, I literally was hanging on the edge of the bed because <laughs> I just, the space issues were, I, I should have just slept on the floor, but I, yeah. I felt like I needed a bed. Yeah, I've I've done the floor a few times. That's rough. I'd, I think I'd probably rather go go the bed and just keep as much distance as you can. I think that's a good play, but yeah. it's not fun. Yeah. Neither neither are fun. No, not at all. All right. So, what is going on, golf addicts? Pat Perry with you, starting the show off. Not DB. Yes, he is on vacation this week. So guess what? I get to run the ship. I am the captain. Uh, it's kind of like, uh, I can't remember the movie, but uh, where, uh, what's his name? Tom Hanks gets taken over and uh, the guy says, I'm the captain now. Well, that's what that's what it is. I'm the captain now. I am guiding this ship, but not alone. I have a wonderful co-host a guy that's no stranger to the podcast. He's been on at least once before, maybe twice. One of the funniest guys on the planet, I think, or at least <laughs> the funniest caddy on the planet. And that is Gino Benelli. Gino, how you doing, man? Coming off Hello. of the U.S. Open. You doing good? Good. Yeah, everything's great. I'm just uh, laying here in my hotel room bed uh, trying to adjust to the humidity change uh, from California here to Connecticut, but uh, doing well. Yeah, so, yeah, I can imagine that's a, that's a pretty big change. I mean, what was it, 50s last week at the U.S. It was, and, and yeah, it was chilly. Monday, Tuesday were maybe the nicest two days in the history of Pebble Beach, there wasn't a breath of wind. Everything was perfect. And then uh, later in the week, it started to cool down significantly. I think I wore long sleeves all day, Thursday, Friday, but uh, I, I kind of like it. It's kind of nice. So. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would like it right now too, because it's freaking hot as hell here in Savannah. <laughs> um, so let's talk about the week. Let's talk about the U S open. We'll, we'll touch on that first. Um you know, obviously Pebble Beach, just a fantastic course. I know that had to have been a thrill for you to be there. Um, this is now, that was your second major, Caddian, is that correct? Yeah, two of the last two were, uh, were on a heater. Yeah, uh, so talk although, about the... Uh... <laughs> Go ahead. I was going to say, although uh, a T70 and an MC Hammer probably don't classify as a heater, but uh, we were there anyway. We got to participate. Yeah, so what was the whole um, – I hate to bring up just bad stuff, but I'm just going to do no, it anyway. Fun. So what was I, the actually, I actually like talking about that kind of stuff. 
All right, so you, you tripled a hold twice, I believe. Is that correct? No, we did not triple a hold twice. We did, however, we were the same amount over par through three holes both days. So we started – Okay, that's started, right. Okay. We started bogey, bogey, bogey on Thursday, which was real fun. Uh, I mean, that back nine at Pebble, those opening few holes between nine through 12 are – they're difficult golf holes. And, um, Joel, uh, on his way into the golf course on Thursday morning, the traffic was so bad and he's, he's kind of a creature of habit as far as, you know, eats his breakfast at this time here, you know, he, he coordinates around his tea time. Like he's going to be at the golf course an hour and a half early, going to eat breakfast, work with his physical therapist. Then we putt and then we chip and hit balls and blah, blah, blah. Well, the traffic was so bad getting in there that, he didn't have time to hardly do anything and he was rattled when he got there and it was, everything was just hurried. And plus we were on the 10th tee, so we had to take a shuttle out to 10 and uh, it's no excuse, but uh, it, it definitely, I think affected how our Thursday round went, which was kind of a bummer. Um, and then uh, to answer your question about the triple on, uh, on number one on Friday, uh, yeah, we, we knew we needed to have a decent day to make the cut and we flared one right on one and the thing stayed in a tree and we couldn't find it. Oh, there was, wow. there was a couple, there's okay. a couple people that were like, yeah, we saw it go right into the tree and heard it and it never came out and it was a little too tall to go climbing. So hmm. that was that. We reloaded and uh, made bogey with the second ball, and uh, the rest of the day was pretty solid. It was pretty carefree from there because at that point we're 74 over par and it, we're playing for a whole lot. So. so, what did you think about the what did you think about the course? Um, there's always talk leading up to a U.S. Open about the course. Uh, not you know, obviously they can't help the conditions. I mean, the con- conditions were pretty benign last week as far as the weather was concerned, but I thought. I thought the course setup was good. I mean, I you know I know there there's always this there's a side out there that wants to talk about you know protecting par and all that kind of stuff, but I thought they did about as good as a job as they yeah. could. You know, what what were your thoughts? I 100% agree. I I wanted to see carnage earlier in the week. I wanted just the scores to be super high. But as far as playability of a golf course, I told some buddies early in the week I, that might have been the most fair best setup golf course i've ever seen it was it was fantastic i mean the golf course itself is spectacular uh i thought everything about the way it was managed and set up was uh was great if you hit the fairways you're rewarded and you know we're wedging it out if you don't on some holes so um the club head speed on some of those guys did you see brooks yesterday or not brooks excuse me uh woodland on 11 you have to think back the right rough on 11 it was, it was just hay. Uh, we hit it there on Thursday and kind of gouged one out left of the green. And he took a cut at a wedge that went straight in the air, and he hit it to like 20 feet, I think, on 11. And, like, that's impossible. Like, the club head speed through that stuff is was a huge help, I feel like. So uh, hats off to those boys. They played great golf. It was impressive to watch. Yeah, it really was. And then, of course, we see, you know, it was a great win by Woodland. I think he's long overdue. I mean, just a, just a fantastic player. Uh, seems like a great guy. 
Um, never talked to him, but just seems like a, a really good guy. Um, so, so I thought well deserving for sure. Yeah, no, it was good. It was <clears throat> sorry, just inhaled some water. Uh, did you just uh, did you just eat a hot chip, Gino? I mean, I, I, I don't oh, think man. you need to. <laughs> I uh, I rolled over and something went down the wrong pipe there. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna make it. No, we uh we got paired with Gary uh last year at Mayacoba down in Mexico, and uh, yeah, he and his caddy Brendan are both uh, really good guys. We had fun with them. So it uh, it was cool to see him win because he's a talented guy. Yeah, yeah, no, he is. And then, of course, we get Brooks back up there again. I just continue to doubt the guy, even though he shows me every single – every. I don't want to say I doubt him. I just won't – I never play in the majors, and I don't know why it is. I just don't do it. I, but you know what? It's, it's really weird that you say that because I feel the same way. Uh, I just – He's always right there, and if I'm creating, I do a, I do a, like a little friends league with like five of my friends, just a free one, just for bragging rights, because we're yeah. not allowed to, not allowed to gamble as caddies on tour, being associated with the PGA Tour, but I still do it for free, and I never put him on my lineup. I, I don't do it, and I don't know why, because he's shown how good he is in those major championships, and I still just can't yeah. quite do it. I, I can't either. I don't know what it is. It's just, and and one day I'll be right, I guess. But right now it's <laughs> yeah. not looking that way. Uh, um, I hear. Well, so there are a couple other things that happened during the week that I want to talk about. But first off, I, I failed to. I started this off so quick because you know I'm not used to hosting the show. You know, so this is usually David's job. So, but I, I got to set the stage. Now you mentioned you mentioned Joel Damon, but I didn't I didn't give the whole thing. You know, for folks that don't know Gino, uh, you are the caddy. For Joel Damon, uh, and and y'all y'all are a great duo. A lot of fun, by the way, on Twitter. What your your Twitter handle? You know, I'm so terrible at memory. You know, no, remembering it, this it, stuff. It's, that's it's fine. Just my full name, yep. Gino Benelli. Okay, that's what I thought, but I just wanted to make sure. Uh, I was a little worried about that, but I, yeah, I, it's, with this show, we're just gonna have fun. So we're gonna give some picks. We're gonna do our thing like what DB and I usually do, but we're gonna have a lot of fun on the show and and. I don't know what's going to happen. Like this thing, like this show may last 30 minutes or it may last an hour or whatever. I don't know. Like, I don't know where we're going to go. Gino, there's a possible, like, I feel like we might need a safe word. Like if something like if this, everything's just, everything's going to crap. We just need to quit everything and shut it down. I don't know. Do you, do you feel like what could be the safe word for us? Um, I mean, that's a, that's a good question. Uh, my mom always said, if we ever got kidnapped when we were kids, and somebody like called home and we had to like let them know we were in trouble without giving it away. We had to say the word cantaloupe. Okay. So that can be our safe word, cantaloupe. All right. So I like that. I like cantaloupe. Um, I'm a cantaloupe fan, actually. I think it's an underrated fruit. Um, mm. So, yeah, I, I, I think if <laughs> you're good, go ahead. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if you have any thoughts yourself on cantaloupe. We can get into that later, but we'll, we're gonna we're gonna switch from cantaloupe, which is the safe word from here on out, to uh, I gotta talk Patrick Reed. I'm sure you saw the little meltdown on 18 where he snapped the wedge across his his knee. It was uh, or did you see it? Yeah, I did. Did yeah. you see my tweet? I don't. I, I think I missed your tweet. 
So I had there's a there was another uh, media guy out there earlier in the week, and he wanted to do just this quick little like one minute Q and A with Joel and I, and uh, he wanted us to predict the winning score or what we hoped to see the winning score. And Joel and I both said over par and that we wanted to just see people suffering out there. And I said, I want to see people bleeding. I want to see people snapping clubs over their knee. (laughs) And when Patrick Reed broke that over his knee, I was just like, yes! Like, because he made my dreams come true. So you'll have to... I'll, uh, I'll I'll DM you uh, my tweet because I, I spliced them together, my interview saying that, and then his video of him snapping it over his knee. It was pretty great. Yeah, we need. I need to see that. Maybe I did see that. I feel like I, I don't know, but that that's yeah, that's awesome. We'll, we'll <laughs> um, retweet that too because that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know, Patrick Reed. Like you, you I, I will say this: there was some satisfaction in seeing it because that's what you want to see at a U.S. Open. You're you're exactly right, but it also just further. I don't know, to me just emphasizes the the, the douchebaggery that he seems <laughs> to to display week in and week out. And I know you don't you can't, you probably can't comment too much, but I just think that it's just I don't know. He he he's just he just rubs me the wrong way. But but I don't know. I can't really I don't know. We're gonna get into a club breaking question, by the way, later on. So uh that that'll be at the very end. So we'll talk a little okay. more about that. But all right, so last thing on the U.S. Open before, uh, and, I, and I do want to talk some Tiger, too, but but, but before I talk Tiger, um, you had the Spieth-Greller deal, and you're a caddy on, on tour, so so you know what it's like, obviously, week in and week out. And, yep. and did you did you see, you saw the thing with, with Spieth where he basically called out Greller after what he considered to be two perfect shots. So I want to know kind of first off, when you saw that, um, what were your first thoughts? Like, what are you thinking there? Do you think that the what what people heard, you know, on TV was actually different than than what a what the actual interaction was with a player in a caddy? Um, so when I say that, I mean I mean like, do people see that as somebody? You know, we see that as basically the the boss kind of you know, basically blasting the you know his his employee or whatever but i don't know if it's necessarily the case or not like you know how, how did you look at that whole situation and maybe how would you have reacted to well i didn't uh I, I feel like as a caddy everyone has been in that situation right um he jordan i don't, I don't know what he was at at the time he probably wasn't playing great even right hovering right around even maybe and that yeah, stuff happens, and, it's a, and it's a terrible feeling as a caddy to have that happen. But at the same time, wearing that is kind of part of the job. I mean, uh, Joel and I are best friends and he, w- he very well could have said the same exact thing to me. And, uh, and truthfully, the, our T-ball on that hole just a little earlier in the day went way farther than I thought it would. It didn't go through the fairway into the, but I thought we were going to be 30 short of the edge and you know, we were within – 10 yards or less. Um, there was just a lot of help right there. I don't think people realized how far the ball was traveling. And uh, it was it was easy to do. It was easy to run one through. And I can see Jordan's frustration. And But I can also see how, you know, Michael might have said, you know, whatever, this club, I don't even know what they hit. It's going to be great. Hit it. Because 
uh, it shocked me too. We got away with it, but uh, uh, no, it's uh, it is what it is. I, I, I mean, they're both really nice guys. I like both of them. And that's just part of the job and having a microphone on you. It's probably not the first time that he's said something like that to Michael, and it probably won't be the last. And I mean, that kind of stuff happens with with players and caddies quite a bit. So yeah. I don't uh, I don't look down on uh, Jordan whatsoever for for saying what he said. It's you know they're competing at the highest level out there, trying to win a major, and uh, he hasn't uh, he hasn't quite had his best stuff all year, and probably uh, thought this was going to be a, a really good week, and it gets frustrating. So. I think it's okay. Yeah, I think I think that's good insight too because I, I mean I, that's really kind of what I was getting at was what were the conditions that you know you know was it that way where like maybe you know he he hit what he thought was a perfect shot but it, it went a little bit further than he thought because of the conditions or, or whatever and it sounds like that that definitely was kind of the case. Um, yeah, and you know I, I get it too. I mean it's it is part of the job and um, I do find it like. My personality, like I would have a hard time, like if I'm on the course and let's just say my my best friend is who I'm caddying for, and he comes down on me like that, like I would have a hard time biting my tongue. Like I feel yeah. like I wouldn't want, like I would want to snap back immediately. And Greller just stands there, stoic, straight face, nothing at all. Like I don't, I don't. I guess it takes a little bit of self control. Yeah, I, Joel and I have only really gotten in, had one bad instance you know if if we're complaining about conditions and like the results of a shot um you, you it's always woulda coulda shoulda in hindsight right you always could have could have done something different to make a better result but at the, at the time you don't know how much put, uh, that wind is helping you know obviously he wasn't trying to have him hit it in the canyon but uh when it gets personal I think there's a time to speak up. Uh, there's, there's definitely been interactions on the golf course where I've heard caddies getting beat up that I would have said something and stood up for myself. And then there's other times where it's just best to just, you're right. I'm sorry. It's my fault. We, sh- we should have hit, we should have hit a seven iron off this 500 yard par four. Like, <laughs> you know, not to be a smart ass about it, but, uh, uh, I think there's there's definitely a line there, and uh, I don't I don't feel like the line was crossed with Jordan and Michael's interaction anyway. But uh, it there's the line definitely does get crossed as far as where my line would be with some of the interactions out there. Yeah, I can't. Um, I, I won't. I won't name any names, but uh, there's some good ones. <laughs> okay. Um, let's talk a little Tiger real quick, and then we're gonna, we're going to get into this this tournament this week at the Travelers Championship. Um, you know, Tiger, you know, he's come, obviously won the Masters, pretty disappointing finish or miscut at the PGA, and then didn't really do much all this week at the, you know, Pebble, which I thought would have been a pretty good setup with for him with the way he yeah. seemed to be striking the ball, especially with his irons. Um, yeah. Seemed a little tired, a little sluggish maybe. I don't, I don't know if you happen to see him much uh, during the week, but – you know, he's, he's announced that he's going to take a little bit of a break. It looks like he's probably going to take a break all the way up into the British Open. So, um, you know, thoughts on him this year from what you've seen and then, you know, maybe what we could expect the rest of the year and, and you know, after this break and, and you know, just where you think, you know, he's, he's kind of heading. Uh, 
I'm just a uh, good question. I'm so enamored with just him as a human that uh, I lose track of my job sometimes because when Tiger is around, it is just different. And uh, obviously he's kind of coming back into form and whatnot. Uh, a stats question for you, because I, I don't know. Uh, how did he drive the golf ball this week? I was curious about his uh, strokes gained off the tee, possibly. You know uh, yeah, I can find it for you real quick. Hang on. Hang on. Uh, in the well, meantime, you just, you just. Well, my where I was going with, because uh, Masters doesn't have a whole lot of rough to speak of off the tee, and you're always going to be able to put an iron on the back of the ball, and he hits his irons better than anyone on the planet. And uh, yeah. you know, here in Bethpage, we're we're so penal off the tee that uh, I was wondering uh, how he how he drove it because. He drives it well. I feel like if he was playing from the fairway, he would have been right towards the top of the leaderboard. Maybe that's not the case. I don't. I don't know the answer, but uh, um, yeah, I, know I can tell you that and, and that I, driver's got a little squirrely on him. Yeah, and I'm not. I'm not looking at it yet, but I can tell you from watching him, I, I don't believe it was all that good. <laughs> I don't. It just didn't look like he was hitting the ball that well off the tee. Um, and he and he didn't seem to putt well at all either. Couldn't couldn't really get much to drop. So I mean, it just seemed like kind of a, a bad week altogether for him. But um, yeah, do do you think? I mean, did he look sluggish at all to you? From from I don't know if you saw him any during the week, um, or do you think like this break is just one of those things that just Tiger does? Um, I think it's probably just something that he does. I didn't see any sluggishness. I I only saw him a couple times this week, and he had his headphones in, uh, just hitting balls and putting is all I saw. And, I mean, people screaming at him all day. <laughs> that poor guy. I would, if I was him, I'd probably want to sit out a little bit too and just play the majors and the big ones. But uh, I just found it, uh, he uh, actually gained strokes off the tee in relation to the field, uh, 0.6 for the week. So, not terrible. Not, yeah, not, not, not terrible. Great. Kind of middle of the pack. So, so Gino, you, know, you, you, could, you could do my job. You I mean, you know how to find that stuff quicker than I do. <laughs> but uh, here you go. Strokes gained, <laughs> strokes gained approach, 4.6 gain. That's 16th in the field. So, it looks like had he been, uh, had he been in the fairway, it probably would have been really good. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, he has just been hitting his iron so – so well this year so we'll see what happens at, at the british i mean i, I still think he's I, I feel like he's there's always a concern about his health but i i'm not really too worried about that i mean he's he's no, older now he's he's yeah you know, look, believe me anything. he's only a year older than me yeah that's uh yeah he's gonna he's gonna do some some awesome things i still think in the next couple of years and i'm just so happy that i get to be around to be part of it Pretty cool. All right, so, so are you ready to uh, you ready to get into this course, Gino, this week, and then uh, maybe make a few picks? Yeah, let's do it. In fact, I was gonna, I was, uh, I went through a moment of panic uh, on the flight here because I don't know if I brought my traveler's yardage book with me. I'm gonna have to look. I'll get a, I'll get a new one tomorrow, but all my notes are gone. Let's see 
You got Memorial. I got Pebble. I'm just going to dig it out. No, looks like I did forget it, of course. Well. Well, that's okay. All, all we need to know, we just need some some caddy insights. So we'll we'll, all right. we'll we'll get to we'll get to that. But I'll start us off here um, here at the Travelers Championship. We're playing at TPC River Highlands. This is a par seventy. Playing uh, about just over sixty eight hundred yards. One of the shorter courses we'll see all year. Um, this is a Pete Dye design. You got eight par fours here, actually, that are between 400 and 450 yards. So I think I'll look at that a little bit when it comes to stats. You got two par fives, one playing 574 and one playing 523. Um, from what I'm seeing, both played um, pretty much, you know, well under par last year, at least, you know, you know, I think by about a quarter point under par. So um, that's there are going to be some birdie holes for sure. Um you know, the they did do a few renovations here. Here they changed the greens out from bent grass to poa is what I've what I've what I've read. But I do want to get kind of your thoughts on how these greens tend to run. Um, but yeah, just just a good course. I think they're going to score a lot this week. Uh, as far as the stats for me, I've been I'm certainly looking at course history. Uh, you see a guy like Bubba who's won here three times. Um, he's, he's just always seems to come to play on this course and that's sort of Bubba for you too. He's just one of those guys that like, he, he just seems to play well on the courses that, that he likes and that he feels comfortable on. And this is obviously one of them. I'm looking at recent form. I'm looking at par four scoring in that 400 to 450 yard mark and then ball strike and then opportunities gained, which is a stat uh, that is uh, that we use for uh, on Fantasy National. That is that is kind of proprietary stat. Fantasy National, great site by the way. Um, highly recommend checking out that site uh, when you can. Um, I don't know if you ever look at Fantasy National, Gino, but it is it is an unbelievable stat. And if you go there and use our promo code Toward Junkies, you get twenty percent off any subscription that you make so whether that's weekly monthly or annually uh you can do that through fantasy national so that's about as good as i can do a ad read you know because i don't do those every week uh, this day that was really time. good so that I was impressed so that, that that probably sucked but any what are your thoughts on this course this week you know just as far as how how it plays you know what particular player um might sort of best fit fit this course well, this I I really like this course, and uh, I like the history of winners. I didn't. I guess I didn't realize Bubba had won it three times. That's really good. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, I like looking back, and uh, you know when Ferrick shot zero. Uh, when was that? Just a few years back, and uh, Kevin Streelman making seven in a row to win. Um, yeah, he kind of he kind of showed a little bit of that at. Uh, at Memorial this year too, he uh, he made a late charge up the leaderboard and made like five of his last seven or six of his last seven or something crazy. So uh, that was pretty cool to see. He's a good guy, and uh, you know Russell Knox winning here and those kind those guys to me are all uh, similar golfers. I don't know if that makes sense. Um, yeah, but uh, so, you know not overly long, but just hit it really well. 
um, put the ball in good position and they're just are just solid solid golfers. They're not necessarily bombers. But then you bring Bubba Watson winning three times here, so you kind of got a diverse list of uh, of players that have won here. Yeah, I mean, past champs, we had Bubba last year. We had Jordan Spieth in 2017, had that, that famous bunker shot. Um, and then you had Russell Knox, 16, Bubba again in 2015, and then Strillman in 2014. Um, so as far as, like, fairways and greens here, I mean, fairways pretty easy to hit. Um, is is that – I mean, or are they – is there much rough if you do miss the fairways? I mean – the rough is uh, is definitely a disadvantage out here. I don't remember it being that difficult to get the ball in the fairway. I feel like there's there's a little bit of room. The par, oh, I'm trying to think back to the par threes. I feel like the par threes were pretty difficult out here. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there's one. Let's see, number one, two, three. Is it five? I think so. A long par three, but uh, the rough's not too bad. Um, well, at least it hasn't been uh, super terrible in the past. Uh, haven't been out there yet this year, and I didn't know about the green change either until you had just said that. So, something to to watch for. Yeah, yeah, they kind of switched those over. I think it was like a year or two ago, but um, or maybe it was last year. I don't know, but um, I had just read it. They had, they had switched oh. it over to to bent grass, but I think it's still. I mean, over to poa, but. Um, I don't know. I feel like they they they've played quicker in the last couple of years. But um, by the way, you were talking about the par threes out here. You know, number five, yeah, is you know plays two twenty three. Played over par last year on average, so definitely difficult. Um, you know, actually, actually both both par threes on the uh, on the front nine are, are pretty difficult and played over par on average. So um, I think that could be interesting. Um, you know, looking at guys maybe that are that are scoring well on those those par threes over 200 yards, so um, could certainly look at that. As far as the greens itself, though, around the greens, I mean, how is um, I mean they pretty pretty I, large I or they're I wouldn't say they they don't stand out to me as being overly large or overly small. Um, I do remember them being quick and uh, you know being above the hole. You got to really be careful because it can get away from you. Um, there's uh, yeah, I, I feel like sh- sh- well as any golf course, but short sided is uh, is not a good spot to be out here. Um, there yeah. are some there are some tight lies around the greens that you know some of those runoffs um, where you get short sided with no green to work with. Uh, you're just hoping to make bogey from there. Um, we hit it on the green and get out of there with a bogey is great, but uh, there's like you said, there's definitely going to be. Uh, get the ball in the right position a lot of birdie opportunities so let's talk let's talk stats for a second and and not i'm not going to you know necessarily ask for ones that for this course but when you're looking at like if you're like being a caddy if you're like picking players you know what is Mm -hmm. what are the things that you would look for you know like what would be your go-to maybe stat slash um you know, are you going to look at course history and you know, look at recent form? I mean, what for you is kind of what you think is is going to be what Gino Benelli's first thing you're going to look at when when trying to pick a player for for any particular tournament, not just this one, but but any week. I, you know, what what are I the have, kind of main things you're looking at? I have the worst metric of all because 
I personally know all these guys, right? So, and I know their personalities and I know who I like as a person and maybe not so much as a person. And I always tend to pick the guys that I really like, which is great because I root for the people that I enjoy as humans, but it may not always be a great choice statistically. So I tend to struggle a little uh, in these kind of things. But uh, overall, I, I always like guys that hit their mid irons well anywhere. Uh, I feel like uh, that's probably maybe the least, most least important stat. But when uh, when we're playing with somebody in a practice round or whatnot, those are the shots that stand out to me. You know, when guys are hitting six, seven, eight irons, uh, the quality of shots they hit from that distance always impresses me. I mean. Watching guys bomb it off the T2 is like porn to me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like when, when we're next to Cam Champ on the driving range, I don't I don't even pay attention to what Joel's doing. That guy's just fun to watch. So uh, I think uh, I just think that's a cool uh, talent to to be able to do. So um, I I don't know. I'm I'm so bad at this, Pat. I think, like I said, I. Uh, I like watching guys hit mid irons and uh approach approach into the green to me is is big. So what would you bad. say all right, so if you're you're saying mid irons, so you said six, seven, eight basically. So what would you think the average tour player hits each of those irons? Like how, how Ooh. Far? uh I would say Joel is very average. So I would say that ranges from uh, 160 to 190 ish in there. In that in that six seven eight range. Okay. Yeah. All right. That makes me that makes me feel okay because I mean I could if I really hit a six iron far I could probably hit it 160 maybe. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, Joel flies Joel Joel flies his six iron 185 give or take conditions and whatnot. Uh, pretty close okay so yeah well i guess never mind i'm not really close to that then but still <laughs> uh it's not as far as i thought because <laughs> i saw some uh watching the coverage of the u.s open where i saw like i think like brooks hitting eight iron oh, and he's like one yeah i'm just incredible. like how do you do that yeah it's not fair like uh on number two i forget what day it was i think i think it was it was either brooks or gary were in the left trap on number two at like 195 uh there might have been a little help in it out of the bunker and they hit a ball that goes to the moon and lands on the green and they're like that was an eight iron from gary i'm like an eight iron it was 196 (laughs) yards like we would have been wedging that out sideways and then hit an eight iron onto the green from 30 yards closer (laughs) yeah i don't get it i mean it's it's amazing um all right, so we'll get into the picks here. Um, we're going to run through this pretty quick because uh, I'm going I'm to kind of give my guy. So typically, what we're going to we do here, at, you know, we're going to give three GPPs in this nine K above and above range, one cash and one fade. So I'm going to start us off with uh, my first GPP play, and I'm going to say this by the way, I am uh, I'm pretty much fading the over 10 K guys. Um, 
Now, you may have some thoughts on some of these guys, but I just feel like you can do that this week. I, I, that's something I'm going to look at doing. Um, so I'm not going to start over 10K. I'm going to start with Justin Thomas at 9,800. I like him as a GPP play. Look, I know he has not played well lately. I know I'm, 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 I'm going to hear about this. David's going to hate this pick. I really don't care. He's checking boxes for me. He's 11th in the field in ball striking. He's a fifth. He's fifth in opportunities gained, which is that scoring stat I mentioned. He's 23rd in the field in par four scoring from 400 to 450 yards, uh, and pretty much across the board. Seventh off the tee, uh, fifth in par five scoring. I just feel like Justin Thomas, and he's probably going to be lower on than he typically is. This is actually a decent field. It's, it's better than I thought it was going to be post U.S. Open, and we we haven't seen him playing that great, but I do think he's healthy. He could pop at any time. We know golf is so variable. So I think I think Justin Thomas is, is a good play this week at 9,800. I will take him. I'll drop below that. And I love Paul Casey at 9,500. Another guy checking boxes, second in the field in ball striking, 18th in opportunities gained, second off the tee. Um, a guy that has an incredible course history here with two – Second place finishes a top. Uh, he was T5 in 2017 and then T17 in 2016. So, the last four years has, has been played great here. He's gained almost 40 strokes on the field. Um, so, Paul Casey will be another GPP play, and I like him in cash. So, he's going to be my cash play this week as well. Final GPP is going to be Mark Leishman who has been, you know, he's he's gained 24 strokes on the field in his last five times here. He missed the cut last year, but he's got three top 20 finishes, including a top 10 here in 2016 and was T11 in 2014. So definitely a, a guy that's played well here. Um, checks the box and ball striking. Great, great ball striker. Um, we saw some, some, you know, form from him last week. Um, he, he's been, you know, hasn't been, you know, contending necessarily, although he did finish fifth at the Memorial. Um, but we did see some good rounds from Mark Leishman. I think he'll certainly be a little bit lower owned. So I like him at 9,100. And then my fade is going to be Fleetwood. I hate to do it. I hate to fade Fleetwood. Like, I mean, at 9,300, it's a good price. We know he's a great ball striker. He definitely checks the boxes here. Um, but he is 69th in opportunities gained, so he's not really throwing down a lot of birdies. He's not scoring all that much. Um, so I'm a little bit worried about Fleetwood, and I think he's going to be high owned. Um, and you look at his recent form, it really hadn't done all that much. I mean, he was, he was, uh, let's see, T65 last week at the U.S. Open, barely made the cut, by the way. He had to make, I don't know if you saw that, Gino, but he had to make a bogey on the he had to make a bogey putt of like 25 30 feet on the last hole to make the cut last week uh and then was t48 the pga championship before that so i think i'm gonna wow. fade some fleetwood um now i know you've got the you've got the salary caps up here um any thoughts on that because so i didn't mention any of the 10k and above guys um well, anybody I'll up there that you, you think yeah i just i want to hear you argue for a second against francesco well, here's the thing about Francesca. I mean, I feel like this is a good course for him. And I just I you know, two things I looked at. Par five scoring, he's not he's he's 93rd in the field. He's 83rd in the field in opportunities gained. Uh, you know, the scoring stat that I mentioned. I just I don't know. I'm not I'm not feeling some Molinari this week. And I do think it's a good course fit. Um but I think, you know, I don't know that that 
over 10k price for him. I like him more in that 9k range when he's when he's been, which is typically where he is. Um, I think he's got you know a little bit of a premium this week. Hasn't I mean he's got a T47 here in 2016 and a top 25 in 2015. You need way more than that out of a guy that's going to be priced over 10k. You need you need top 10 finishes. You don't need T47 and T25. So. <laughs> I think Molinari scares me from from that standpoint. So so that's really the the major reason I'm I'm not necessarily I'm not I wouldn't say I'm fading him. He's just not a guy that I, I feel like is going to find find his way into my lineups this week. No, that's fine. I I just noticed this because I'm just looking at the prices and it's you know it shows percentage of cuts and top tens and whatnot. Patrick Cantlay has finished top ten nine times out of fourteen events. I Sounds mean, about right. That's incredible. That guy's a robot. Yeah, I think Cantlay is the one guy in here that I might I might find myself on. I don't know if I can pay almost twelve thousand for Kepka. And we know he doesn't really show he just doesn't seem to show up in regular events. He just yeah. he just rather rather be there for majors. So I don't think I can pay that much for him. And I, I I'd rather um just fade that in general. And Jordan Spieth, no, I don't I don't um any other guys in here you think that i don't really have any input i just wanted to uh just pose the question to you You wanted to be you wanted to be like like db and and argue with me <laughs> no i'm not arguing at all i mean it's <laughs> it, it, it's so funny because i just i scroll down the list of guys i'm like he's really good he's really good he's really good that guy's really good he's nice i like that guy a lot but like it's tough <laughs> it's tough not to pick people like it's so hard doing this, Gina. I'm, like, uh, we've done this I'm, for. I'm, I'm probably the worst co-host as far as a as a fantasy golf podcast you could ever have. But uh, <laughs> we've, Gina, yeah. we've done this for four years, and and I still, you know, it's like you could go through here this uh, in in this over nine k range and literally say something positive and about every single guy. Like there's sometimes it can be a little brutal. bit tough. For me, I'm like. But, I'm like, oh, I'm taking Chesson Hadley this week because he just had a really funny video that he put out on Twitter. Like, that's the kind of stuff I get manipulated by. It's terrible. That's why I lose all my money. I play this stuff. Uh, that was a pretty funny video, by the way. Yeah, it was pretty good. It's like my wife rooting for a football team because she likes their jersey colors better than another. <laughs> All right, so we're going to get into the AK range here, uh, and I'm going to start with I just I can't quit him. I can't quit Bubba this week. Um, Eighty nine hundred, I, I like him. You know, he's obviously shown um, that he he loves this course, and, and and I've mentioned this a lot of times when he, we get to a course where Bubba just tends to play well on, which is it is here, and I feel like you just almost have to take him um, where he feels comfortable. Like when, when we see him at Augusta National, we see him at Riviera where he's won multiple times. He's won multiple times here. Uh, so I do like that for Bubba. And then, you know, he is checking some boxes. I mean, he's 12th in the field in ball striking. Um, I, he's number one off the tee, which is not surprising. He's top 15 in, in par five scoring. Um, obviously, I mentioned the great history here. So I do like Bubba at 8,900. And a lot, I feel like a lot of times people don't want to take the defending champion. I, I don't know why, um, but I don't. I don't really factor that all in all that much, so I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna play some Bubba this week. I, I think he's 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 gonna be comfy here. He basically trunk slammed early at the U.S. Open. I think he I, I don't know if he's there's ever gonna be a U.S. Open course that he likes, but 
Um, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, Gino, but I feel like he just. No, I, I just, uh, I just had, I didn't realize uh, his history in U.S. Open because obviously Bubba's fantastic, and it really surprised, uh, surprised me when I heard his uh, track record at U.S. Opens this last week. It's pretty bad. Uh, yeah. Not, I don't think he likes him. Not expected. No. Um, so next I'm going to drop down all the way down to the, to the lower end of this range, and that's Charlie Hoffman at 8,100. Another guy that's just – I feel like it's going to be a little bit under the radar. Um, he's 14th in the field in ball striking, 16th in opportunities gained. He's number one in the field in par four scoring in that 400 to 450 yard range that I mentioned. Um, so I like that. And he's got pretty good history here. You know, his last four starts, he has not finished worse than a T26 in 2014. He was T25 wow. in 2016, has a third place finish in 17 and top 15 last year. That's hard to argue against, wouldn't you say? Uh, yeah, I feel like I would take him all the time because I think he's really good. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. And he seems to just sort of – I don't know. He, he, he When we're talking golf every single week, he, he just sort of – he'll go on the radar, then off the radar, on the radar, then off the radar. Yeah. And I don't really know why that is. I mean, he missed the cut at the Memorial and maybe – you know, and, and that could be even more reason people might not take him. But he was T13 at the Charles Schwab right before that on another short course that's, um, you know, not you know not a big hitter's course where I think Charlie Hoffman can certainly thrive uh, on a guy, you know course like this. So I like him at 8100. Um, but I will say, and I was debating on debated on him for cash, but I think I'm going to go Jason Kokrak for cash at 8300. The guy's just been solid all year. He's made 16 of 16 cuts. Um, you can't argue with that. And when you're looking at playing a guy in cash, you want that cut maker. You want a guy that's just going to be you know, solid, that's right around that average price line, which is where he is. He's uh, ninth in the field in ball striking, 12th in opportunities gained. He's 14th off the tee. We always know he's pretty good off the tee. So I like Kokrak at 8,300. Um so he will be my cash play, and my fate is going to be Mickelson. Just cannot do it. Love him. God love him. I just can't take yeah. Mickelson right now. He is not – so of all the stats I looked at, the best he is is 90th in the field in par four scoring from 400 to 450 yards. That's it. He's 106th in ball striking, 104th in opportunities gained, 100th in off the tee, off the tee 146th in par five scoring. I just don't – I don't know what it is with Mickelson right now, but he's he's not doing it. I, I can't argue with you there. Like I just I was laughing the other day when I heard he led the field in uh, driving distance at Memorial and was 107th in strokes gained off the tee. I thought that was that's an interesting combination. Yeah, so. <laughs> it is. I don't know. I just feel like he's free willing right now. He doesn't really seem to give a crap. He, yeah. He's, but he, he's killing the social media game. That he is. His calves are uh, are quite good. Yeah, they're they're, they're good good calves. What uh, what um, do you think of Chance coming off? Uh, you know, a third place finish at the U.S. Open. I, you know, I like it. so David mentioned Chaz last week, so he gets he gets the credit for that. Now I do get I get the credit for Louis Ustazen, who I was a big fan of and had a good tournament. Uh, and David killed me for that, by the way. But I, I thought he was a good pick. But Chez, I, I like. I mean, 
he's just sort of one of those guys that, well, I will say one of the reasons he popped for me was the small greens at, at Pebble. Is he, he consistently year in and year out lead, leads the tour in not only greens and regulation, but also proximity. So I felt like it was going to be a good week for Chez because um, that's just his game. Um, but I think he can do it again, you know, this week. I mean, he's, you know, you look at his history here. He did miss a cut last year. Um, but it's it's decent. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm a little worried about that price though, at 8400 I feel a little, like a little high. Yeah. I feel like that could be a little high. I mean, he's sandwiched right. in there too, between a guy I love and Kokrak. You got Patrick Reed above him, which I could care less about this week. And then you got Sneds at 8600 What do you think about old, old Snedeker? You know, he's he's has a good history here. He's got – I mean, he had three straight top 15 finishes until a miscut last year. Um, any any thoughts on Sneds and his You know, game? I, I, I don't really have any thoughts uh, specifically. It wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me one bit to see him – uh, on that leaderboard on Sunday, uh, he's been playing. I think has been pretty solid golf. Uh, always puts it well. Short game's good, and yeah, I mean, I, I, there's uh, there's nothing negative I can say uh, about him. So, I, <laughs> another positive player from Gino. You're really good at this. Yes. Okay. All right, so we're gonna run through the seven K range here real quick. Sure. Um, we got uh, – all right, so I'm going to give you three GPPs, one cash, and then two fades. And actually one okay. of these fades you just you just mentioned a little bit ago. So I'm going to see what your thoughts are there. Um, first off, I'm going to go up at the top at 7,900. I love some Emiliano Grillo at 7,900. Finished top 20 what? here last week or last year. Um, were, were you surprised by that pick, Gina? No, I love that pick. I, I – he – He's not only an awesome dude, like, I, like I'm getting hung up on personalities. He's one of my favorites, but uh, he's one of those guys that hits it really, really well. Uh, if he can get that putter rolling, he will be up there. Yeah, well, you're right, because he's third in the field in ball striking. He's, he's 15th in opportunities gained, uh, 15th off the tee. Um, 25th in, in par four scoring. So uh, I just, it's solid across the board. I love Creo this week. I think he's a great play. Um, and then dropping down a little below him, I'm going to go with my boy Kiz at 7,700. Now he hasn't been in the greatest you know form, but I, I think I think this is a good course for him. And he hasn't played here before, so and he'll certainly be low owned. I don't think a whole lot of people are going to be on Kiz this week, um, but I do feel like it's a good course for him. Uh, he is 20th in the field in opportunities gained. He's top 10 in, in par four scoring. Um, so I, I like his. I think he could be um, sort of a sneaky good play here, even though he has not played this course, which has surprised me. I know when we've, we've talked about this tournament year in and year out, I've, I've been I've wondered why he hasn't played here. So um, I don't know if you got any thoughts on kids on this course, but it's what I'm thinking is this could be a this could be a good one for him. <laughs> It's funny that you uh, you directed me to thoughts on kids on this course because on the golf course, no, but I want to be best friends with him because he is awesome. Uh, I feel like I'm <laughs> kind of work, working that direction. So, uh, Kevin, if you're listening, uh, let's be buddies. No, he and uh, he and Joel are, uh, Joel are friends. We have not been paired together or even played together ever, but uh, he's just got the personality of a guy that I want to hang out with. 
He's a great dude. Oh. We can we can help we can help you with that. We can we can get you connected. Um right. I would love to see a, like just video of just any kind of coverage of you, Kiz, and Gino on a night on the town. Like I think that would be Joel. I mean yeah. <laughs> that, Joel. But uh we would have a good time for sure. Yeah. I mean, some of it you'd have to probably edit out, but like the stuff, like like you could you could keep some of it. It'd be pretty funny. <laughs> um, kind of the the tour should do that. I'm I'm gonna try to see if I can make that happen. But there you go. Make, um, make that an inside the PGA Tour special. Yeah. So I do like kids this week. Uh, you don't like him on this course, though. No, I didn't say I don't like him. I said I, I don't I don't know how to put. He's just he's another one of those guys that uh, if he shows up and he's playing well, I mean like what he did in the match play he's just a, a can be a, such a dominant player uh i think he's think he's great at seventy seven hundred dollars uh looking at a you know an average salary of eight thousand three hundred and thirty three you get to spend for everyone kids seems like a great buy yeah no i, I like it um so and he see the thing is it's with him is like if if his heart's in it, he is definitely in it. But I feel like if he's now if he doesn't have a good Thursday and and he's kind of out of it, or you know he he makes it barely makes the cut, but then doesn't have a good Saturday, then it's probably not. He's he's just one of those players that if he's not in the hunt, I feel like his heart's not in it. But hey, um, that's fair. I, I know another guy really well that's the same way. Oh, you do? Do you happen to caddy yeah. for him? Yeah, <laughs> potentially. <laughs> All right, we're going to talk about him in a minute because he is in this range. But um, uh, let's see. Who else? I like Bud Colley at 7,600. Just, I mean, another good ball striker. Um, he's a guy. He checks the box in opportunities gained, also in par five scoring. Um, you look at his his history here. He's played here um, three of the last five years with two finishes in the top 35. T11 back in 2014. Um, I, I just, Bud Colley is one of those guys that I think is just always sort of a sneaky under the radar play. Um, and he's been in, you know, he's been in, I would say, you know, it, it's up and down form. He had a top 10 at the Memorial and then missed the cut the week after the RBC Canadian, which I thought was going to be a good course for him. Um, but I, I just, I think Bud Colley is, is going to be a good sort of low end play. And so we'll see there. Um, cash, by the way, is going to be Grillo for me. I'm, I'm fine with that. I think that's that's your cash play right there. Got two fades here, and one of them is Lucas Glover, a guy everybody has been on this year. Great ball striker, by the way, um, but hasn't fared that great here. He, he missed the cut here. Um, or sorry, hang on. This, this is what happens. Oh, yeah, he's missed the cut the last two times he's played here. Gino, so I don't like that. Um, yeah, I don't like that. You know, as, as far as the stats are concerned, he's he's going to be checking the box. But he is 82nd in the field in opportunities gained, so he's not really creating all those that many scoring uh, opportunities for him. 53rd in par 5 scoring. And Glover is another guy that's just been popular um, week in and week out. So, and, and you look at his recent results, I mean, they haven't been – really all that great. I mean, he missed the cut last week at the U.S. Open. He was 52nd at the Memorial. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fade some Lucas Glover. And then I'm also going to fade your buddy and mine, actually, Chesson Hadley. I am going to fade him at 7,400, coming off that top 10 finish at the U.S. <laughs> Open, Gino. But you know what? He's been really up and down this year. I mean, he missed two of three cuts before that. 
Um, I just I feel like you know, there's going to be a lot of people that sort of jump over onto onto Chesson um, because of what he did at the U.S. Open. But as far as the stats are concerned, I mean, he's 118th in the field in ball striking. He's 112th in par four scoring, 113th off the tee. He's 68th in opportunities gained. I just feel like, I don't know. I think Hadley is, he's a great player, but he's definitely streaky. And I don't want to get a streaky Hadley, you know, coming off of a a good finish, probably going to get a little more ownership than he typically has. So I'm going to, I'm going to fade some, some chess and, Okay, that's. I mean, I'm, I can't argue with you. What if What if this is the beginning of his of his good streak? You say he's a little streaky. What if you're just? It could be. You know, it could be. I, I could, you know, I, hey, you, top, you might be right. Top ten and top ten in a major does a lot for a person's confidence, and confidence is a big thing in this game. That is true. So I was. I, that's a good. Brings up a good question, though. So. You know, when you have like, what is it like? Like when Gino has a good, you know, finish, it, it, can you just immediately tell? Like going into that, like it's like, how can you tell a player's about to be streaky? I guess is, is um, like, do you do you get that feeling at all, or is it, you know, is it something during a round? Is it certain something during the week? Is it the finish where you know, like, I mean, because I could feel like a player could finish top thirty, but still something clicked like what 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 do you see in a in a player like well i like i yeah i can't speak on anybody but joel but uh joel like most golfers uh has streaky tendencies when he's when he's playing well and playing a lot uh tends to be really good and we uh we missed the first let's see we missed it cut at rev missed cut at honda missed cut at bay hill we had three in a row i think that was the order and uh we we went into the players championship and I didn't really know what to expect, but he just played solid. And I, we finished 12th of players and going into Valspar the next week, I texted one of my buddies. I was like, Joel's going to win Valspar. Like I just, it was going to happen. And we go out first, first round leaders, I think shot five under and uh, we're still top 10 going into Saturday. And I think we had a rough day Saturday ended up finishing 20 something place. But, uh, and then, you know, take that and I forget how much later Wells Fargo was, but second at Wells Fargo. So, uh, I definitely felt the confidence shift during the players. Uh, it was a big event, uh, kind of what something that he needed to, to light the fire, so to speak, and, uh, have a great following month from there. And, uh, you know, maybe a maybe a little bit of a lull the last couple of weeks, but uh, truthfully, like the last, uh, it's tough to say nine holes did anything, but playing the last nine holes of the U.S. Open and two under par, and it was really solid and it looked good. His attitude was good. Um, I don't want to sway you or anybody onto Joel necessarily, but uh, I think he might be a little. I don't even know what he's valued at, but I think uh, I think he should do well here. Well, is it? He's taking a little bit of a hit from a from a price standpoint as far as the these type not not like U.S. Open fields but this type field. He's at mm-hmm. seventy two hundred. Um, personally, I like him. I like him at that at that value. I think that's that's pretty good at seventy two hundred. So we'll we'll see how how that is. All right, so we're gonna yeah. go um, down here to the six K range. I got two guys that I'm gonna talk about, and and I'll maybe get your thoughts on that. Um, 
So the first one is going to be a guy that I don't know if I've played all year, but he just interests me this week. I feel like he, he's popping for sure. He's got some good, decent, recent form. And that is Peter Malnati. It's 6,900. Um, he's a bucket hat guy, by the way, isn't he? Like Gino is. I mean, yep. like uh, Joel is. Like Joel, he is. Yeah, Peter's uh, Peter's an awesome dude. And, yeah, I've been seeing his name more and more on the leaderboards, I feel like. And uh, did uh, – oh, no, he was in the playoff with us to get into the U.S. Open. So he was really close to making it. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, he's finished – you know, you look at it here. He was top 26 last year. Um, he, he, you know, in 2018 and 2017, he was T75, which isn't, isn't that great. But when you look at, you know, just overall this year, he's made 12 of 18 cuts. He's made four, he's you know, made four of his last or four straight cuts. Um, you know, for a guy at 6,900, I'm, I, I like that. I mean, and, and then, you know, in, in his last three events, you look at T31 at the RBC Canadian, a top 20 with a 17th place finish at the Memorial, T40 at the Charles Schwab. I mean, I think, you know, he's just solid right now. So I like, I like some Mal Um, and then he's solid across the board in the, in the stat categories. I mean, he's not like going to just jump off the page at you, but you know, in a field this big, he's top 50 in ball striking, top 40 in opportunities gained. Um, and then in par four scoring. So, uh, you know, I, I just think he's a, a good solid play. Um, I like him. And then uh, this this is a name that I don't know if I've ever mentioned ever, but Cameron Tringali, it's sixty seven hundred. Oh. Yes, Cameron sure. Tringali, Gina. He is thirty six <laughs> in the field in ball striking, thirty fifth in opportunities gained, thirty eighth in par four scoring. I mean, he's he's been solid, and he's he's made ten of fourteen cuts on tour, three top twenty fives in his last four starts. I mean, I don't know if I – when I started looking, I was like, are you serious? Three top 25s in his last four starts? I'll I'll take that. You know, I mean, he was yeah. T11 no, at the RBC great. Canadian, T23 at the Bar- Byron Nelson. I mean, the guy's just been been playing solid all year. So, I like, I like some Cameron Tringali. Have you ever met Cameron Tringali? Yeah, actually, quite a few times. So, uh, we played first with uh, – cam at sanderson farms like our rookie year maybe and i remember being very unimpressed uh i don't mean that mean i just was like eh he did i didn't feel like he hit it very far and he didn't there was nothing that wowed me about his game we played with him again this year at valspar and on the first tee he stepped up and made a golf swing that was not the same Cameron Tringali that I had seen two years prior. And uh, I'm friends with his caddy. I think they recently split, but uh, his name is Carl. I said, Carl, what is, what is, what was that? That was like really good. He had some speed behind it and everything looked fantastic. He goes, he's been working, working out hard and working with a new coach or I don't know how, how long that had dated back because I hadn't seen him swing it in two years, but uh I was I was more, much more impressed the second time playing with him than I was the first. So I think that uh, that sounds great because felt like he was definitely trending in the right direction. 
Yeah. So we'll we'll see what happens. By the way, I, I need to. I, I I'll jump back up here for the seven K range because there's a couple guys that I just, I didn't talk about that I just wanted to see if you had an opinion on. But we got Matthew Wolf and then we also got Victor Hovland that are both mm. um, making their tour debuts this week um, here at the Travelers. So any thoughts on that? I know Victor Hovland in particular looked fantastic off the tee. He led the field by the way in strokes gained off the tee. Um, last week, did you really? Open, wow. it was, yeah, he did. Um, by I think a long shot, but I, I could be wrong. But, um, any thoughts on those those two guys? No, I just I'm intrigued by him because those kind of guys, uh, even with Morikawa, uh, coming out of college and uh, playing at this level, I th- feel like there's a lot of uh, attention on them, and my attention's on them too. Uh, Matt Wolf's golf swing is. I, I think it's so neat. I love watching those unique golf swings, you know, uh, Ricky and him, and just they're just a little bit different, and uh, they fascinate me. So uh, they've got my full attention this week. I think they could, uh, they've proven that they could play at this level. So just have to see what happens. Yeah, I mean, I think they're both just extremely talented. I was very impressed with Victor Hovland, despite his um, perma smile that he has on his face. Um, it was really <laughs> annoying to me. But <laughs> other than that, I was I was impressed by him. So, all right, Gino, you have been fantastic. But we are going to wrap it up with the chunk and run portion of the show. But oh wait, we we got I got to get my one and done. Crap, always always forget the one and done. Um, all right, I'm going to go with. Do you want to give a one and done, Gino? Um, what what is the criteria for that? You well you. you you basically just pick one player that you think is going to win because you're pick not the in the contest. You don't pick the uh, winner. Well, who's going to be the winner? I guess. Do you? So odds aren't required. It's not like who's the best value for their odds. It's just who's going to win this golf tournament. No. So in a one and done pool, basically you have you can pick one winner every single week. You get their winnings. So is that's how they total it up. So like last week, whoever had Woodland got like two million or whatever. And gotcha. but you can only take that player once. So once once they're yeah. done, once they once you've picked them, you can't take them again. So well, if you were to have right, that well, this week, I'm gonna try to uh, to I'm gonna play this game, but I'm gonna because obviously most a lot of these players wouldn't be available to me had I been in the one and done all year. Therefore, I'll take somebody kind of in the middle of the road that uh, might still be on the board for a one and done. How's that sound? Yeah, there you go. That's perfect. Okay, you go first, and I'm going to scroll through this. All right, so I am going to go with – yeah, I think I'm going to go Mark Leishman. Um, and, and there's a reason for that, too, because I, I don't know if he's necessarily my, my favorite of plays in this group, but I know he's still on the board for me and because um, we're getting kind of down to the end here. So there's not, there's not a whole lot on that top category that are still on the board for me. And I think that Leishman could have a good week. I think he's going to be, you know, I'm, I'm not cashing in this one and done that I'm in yet, but I'm up there. I've got, I've got a decent amount of, of, of winnings on the money list. So I think I'm going to go with Mark Leishman because I think he's going to be lower on. Not a whole lot of people are going to go with him, and I like him this week. So I, I'm going to go with some Leishman as, as my one and done. Okay. I stall. I tried to stall it out a little bit to give you a little. Bit no, you did. You did a good job. I'm. Uh, I'm scrolling. I'm trying to think of guys that may have already came off the board. Because I mean, I would really like to pick Molinari, uh, but I feel like I may have taken him earlier in the year had I been part of this. So I was going to go try to go a little bit deeper, but 
uh, let's go Charlie Hoffman, who we talked about earlier. You know, that's that's ah. deep. That's deep. But uh, I like you know, that. I might have to take. I might have to steal that one. I may steal that one from you, Gina. But I, I, I do like it. I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with Leishman, but I do like that. Yeah. One. So, all right, we're gonna we're gonna finish this off here soon, but we're gonna go with the chunk and run. So. The chunk and run portion of the show is, uh, by the way, we'll go through the chunk question is going to be golf related. And then the run question is just whatever I've come up with. Um, so for the chunk, we're going to go back to the Patrick Reed situation. Gino, have you ever broken a club? And if so, how did you do it? And which club was it? Oh, yeah, several. And I think, uh, I think I, my dad probably spanked me on the golf course while I was in a high school tournament because I broke clubs. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's i uh, I've got a little bit of a temper and my expectations are way higher than my talent level. So, uh, yes, I, I have broken a club predominantly wedges, a, maybe a driver. Yeah. Uh, and okay. I've got, uh, I've got about three, uh, 12 inch bottom sections of golf clubs in my closet currently in my garage that need reshafted. <laughs> Did you, so in your, your moment of anger to before you broke the club, was there any like synapse that fired that said like, all right, like, am I breaking the right club or do you not, did you not even think about that? Like, like, no, cause you know, if you break yeah. your driver, you're having some problems the rest of the round, you know, but if you yeah. break a wedge, you're actually like, Oh, I can do, I can deal with that. You know, you know, now that I think about it, I think the last club I broke was a putter too. And uh, it got wrapped around the side of a golf cart. Uh, yeah. That's going to really not, screw not things I'm proud of, but uh, it, it happens because uh, I'm a passionate person. I like I like that. Yeah, I'm a passionate person too. So I have broken some clubs. More recently, two weeks ago at David's member guest, uh, where I, I shot a uh, 51 on the front nine of our first match, which David played well in. I played absolutely horrendous. I can't even remember the last time I shot a 51. And so I proceeded to. Uh, we started the second nine. And I had about a, I hit a good drive and I had a wedge into the green and put that into a creek short of the green. And <laughs> next thing I knew that wedge was snapped in half, but it wasn't, I didn't snap it in half Patrick Reed style. I actually just threw it like an ax straight at, at the ground, but released it before I hit the ground. Like I didn't think it was going to break, but I guess oh, like yeah. the, the, the force versus the perfect angle that it hit the ground, it just snapped it in half, like completely in half. So Yeah, I don't um, – I'm, I've done that several times myself. Uh, that's that's unfortunate when you throw it, not intending to break it, just throwing it out of anger, and then it ends up in two pieces. Yeah, I've been there a lot. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like you. I'm not, not proud of those moments, but I'm a passionate person, Gina. It happens. <laughs> I um, love it. Hey, uh, speaking of passion, I've I've got a good one for you really quick. So last year uh, at this golf tournament at Travelers, we were in like ninth place on Friday with four holes to play. And it's the drivable par four, 15, yep, 15. Uh, We hit one up near the green and then played hockey back and forth across the green and making double. Um, so that 
might have kicked us back to, I don't know, 30th-ish place. Um, I think we parred 16. Number 17, we drove it into the left bunker. And then Joel's Achilles heel has been fairway bunker shots hitting them fat. And I knew that if we just make a bogey and get out of there, we're okay. And he hit it fat into the water, took a drop, hit it over the green, chipped it on, may have three-putted for a seven. But walking off that green, he took his lob wedge, and it almost landed on the floating umbrella in the middle of the lake. It was <laughs> incredible. So uh, we we finished uh, double par, triple par, I think, to miss by one. So that was uh, we we have some uh, we have some demons on the on the seventeenth hole, I think, out there. But, uh, we're gonna yes. extinguish them this week, I hope. Yeah, I think you are. I think you are. Um, that was the first uh, time I think right. Joel, Joel Tomahawk won on tour. It was pretty good. <laughs> uh, I wish there was some video of that. I, I would like to see that. Um, <laughs> all right, so here we go with the run question. Uh, I like this one. Um, if you could be any college mascot, who would it be? Oh, well, that's easy. I I was the college mascot. You know that, right? <laughs> I may have known that. That may have been why I asked the question. <laughs> Joe Vandal, baby. University of Idaho. <laughs> uh, if, uh, if the, the Vandals. I mean, that was – yeah. And I say that only because I'm uh, I'm not very talented when it comes to mascot slash cheerleading activities. And uh, the attendance at University of Idaho sporting events is basically zero. So I could be the mascot and make an ass of myself and no one will care or know. And that's okay. So, However, if I went to some like. What does that mascot like, look like? Uh, you'll have to, it's, uh, it's just a, a dude wearing like a Viking helmet. And uh, he's got dude. great. So you were, you were that mascot. I was the mascot. Yeah, I did it for a year. But I see, I hear something may have happened to you. I, I, I hear, and I feel like this is a tough thing to happen. But I've, I've heard that you got fired from being the mascot. Yeah, well, they, they thought it was me, and the so it was like the last, the last home. Did my wife set you up with some stuff? <laughs> I do not tell my sources for any of my questions. <laughs> so it was the. Uh, the last home basketball game of the season and we were getting crushed. I don't even probably by some NAIA school and uh, it was miserable and it was so hot in the suit. And some guy came up to me just before halftime and was like, Hey man, do you mind if I put on the suit? I'm graduating here soon. And I wanted to do it one more time. Cause apparently he was Joe like before me, I guess. I don't know. So I was like, absolutely, I don't care because I just want out of this thing. I'm soaking wet. So I go behind the bleachers at halftime. I get out of this suit. I give it to this random dude that I didn't know. And I went home. I, just, I didn't even stay for the rest of the game. I just left. And turns out uh, he was rather intoxicated and 
started like hitting the backs of the heads of the opposing players, like running behind their bench and like smacking them alongside the head and uh, just doing things. I don't know the the full story, but uh, it was enough that had it been me, I would have gotten fired. So the guy uh, who was in charge of it, I don't even remember. I had a message from him later that night. He was rather heated. He was like, you're fired. Never come back. And I was like, it wasn't me, but whatever. I don't even care. It was a complete volunteer position anyways. It's not like I was getting paid for it. So I might have been yeah. the only mascot in the country that's complete volunteer and no prereqs required to be the mascot. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Um, I don't even know if I have an answer. I'm supposed to answer this question, but I, I, I really was – it was a total setup for you, so I don't really don't know what the answer <laughs> for me is. I, I guess I'll just – I'll have to go with – I can't go with the actual Uggo because that's a dog, but I'll, I'll go with uh, – um, oh, my gosh. I'm going to get killed for this because I'm not – Harry Dog, sorry. Harry Dog for the University of Georgia. I would uh, – I'd have to be him. I mean, I'm obviously a huge Bulldog fan. So, Um, But that is an awesome story. That's good stuff. Gina. Yeah, I've got got some good ones from that mascot days. Maybe I'll uh, I'll give you a few more over a beer someday. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Oh, Gino, I appreciate you being on the show with me. Um, we actually made it over an hour. I'm I'm surprised. We and we didn't have to use the safe word. We didn't we didn't have to use That's it. That's true. Um, so that was good. Um, by the way, do you? I, I know you, you you probably listen to the show all the time, but when we sign off, I, David says "see ya," and I say "out." So we're gonna have Ooh. to do that. So you just it's like "see ya" like that, but louder. Um, it was, so Gino. High pitched like that? Yeah, like like do it high pitched, like you think like David might do it. Um, <laughs> Gino, we appreciate you being on there. Everybody's got to check them out at Gino Benelli on Twitter. Fantastic follow, great guy. Awesome of you to do this. Uh, kind of last minute too, so we really appreciate that. Good luck to you and Joel this week. I know it's going to be a great week, so looking forward to everything. Um, that's all I got. Well, thank you. Uh, I hope uh, I hope we make you uh, upset that uh, you didn't roster us on every roster this week. That's my goal. Nice. All right, you're yeah. you're 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 good. See ya. Ow! <laughs> thank you, Gina. How, how was that? Uh, Not that was or, good. Do, man. I, do I need to go higher? See ya. <laughs> See ya. <Ow. laughs> Bye, guys. <laughs> Ha, ha, ha.